I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Frank Lampard was saying after the game, it was the biggest achievement of his career. Like Frank Lampard tells us to take an Everton from 16th to 16th and closer in points to the relegation zone is his biggest achievement of his career. <laughs> and the weirdest thing is he's probably right. Because, because after he took them into the relegation zone, he did do brilliantly to take advantage of the shit show at Chelsea and the shit show at Man United to drag Everton back out of that relegation zone. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Well, Pep Guardiola did assure us in three different interviews last week, three interviews, he said, and he put his balls on the line with this, he said that the Etihad would be sold out. (laughs) He said the fans would pack the stadium for a game that was going to win the league for Man City. And in fairness, they showed up, they packed out that stadium and... uh, what an atmosphere. <laughs> um, Jesus, it was... <laughs> it's funny. I was watching it there with um, my girlfriend, who wasn't a big fan of Ollie Watkins, but we'll come back to that. I didn't like it, but then... Anyway, we'll come back to it. <laughs> but she did say, it looks like a lot of space in that stadium. <laughs> I think she was saying it a bit more innocently, that it did look spacious, but I said, oh yeah, you watch that anyway, there'll be loads of space. <laughs> um yeah, annoying that uh, Villa couldn't poop the party and they did good in atmosphere once they got up and running. I'd say we've been complaining about Villa being a 45-minute team. <laughs> well, we got 70 good minutes uh, this week. That's an improvement, right? It's uh, still pretty galling, though, to lose that. We were right in the cusp of actually getting a result. like The, the result we wanted to just have had a big statement win, which we haven't had. We haven't had a statement result under Gerrard yet and obviously the the byproduct of this collapse, this latest collapse is that Man City and all their billions and their 100 million players on the bench and Pep Guardiola and they win another league and Kevin De Bruyne doesn't give a fuck and <laughs> it's all a bit joyless really when it was so much fun for 70 minutes yeah I mean anyone wondering what it's like to be an Aston Villa fan for a season <laughs> only had to watch that game and it was the perfect microcosm a really good performance ran a dreadful performance quality and composure on the ball to looking like somebody wearing a pair of MC Hammers trousers with a scorpion thrown into them missing big chances <laughs> conceding easy ones being resolute and solid to playing like a fucking jellyfish in the centre of midfield. It was unbelievably <laughs> brilliant to gut-wrenchingly bad in the blink of an eye. And I suppose we got everything we'd expect from Man City as well. Pep shit in the bed when picking his starting lineup for a big game. <laughs> Dreadful to pe- defend them and put under the most basic of pressure oh. and the ability to bring on three players who have the quality to contribute four of your six goals and assists in the game. And that fucking... Bald BG had the complete lack of self-awareness to say, wait until you see next year when we've got five subs. 
<laughs> go collect your bloodstained check and use it to buy some fucking chewing gum for fuck's sake instead of chewing and playing with your saliva what the fuck is that about it's disgusting <laughs> the whole enterprise is disgusting like it's so grim it's like you're watching that you're watching another league title like I'm, we're talking about the players coming off it is such like, like yeah walk a mile in our shoes this is what it's like to support a villa but also now you understand where we were coming from when we were saying the five subs isn't good for us. Like, I know everybody thought, oh, they're just being self-interested. Of course they are. Everybody was. And, you know, they bring off Sterling and bring on Sterling and Gundogan. Or, like, the player who's destroyed us by leaving Villa this year, like, ripped their heart out. He just doesn't get a sniff. Didn't even play half the minutes this year. He's just sitting there watching, getting interviewed afterwards, God love him. But, uh, and then now we've got, we've got uh, Erling Haaland coming in now. Like, probably the... Striker who would go on to score the most goals of all time in football. <laughs> like he's just coming in now to add to this. It's depressing. Yeah, absolutely unbelievably grim. But it started so well. Yeah, we were compact. We looked like we knew what we were doing. And then the goal, the first goal, comes by Douglas Louise turning, looking up and carrying the ball out. Gets it to Jacob Ramsey, like our midfield we're all contenders for the Ashley Westwood Award for a stage, but uh, Ramsey gets a ball and he does what he does. He drives, he drives, he has his head up. Look at arrives, gives it to him. Like, don't worry about it. The rest will be taken care of. And he gets it across. And our boy Matt Cash, we were complaining about him last week, but he gets into the box this time and he gets his head on the ball. And I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant goal because we've been so tight. We've been sitting in weather and storms, but not giving them not giving them too much of a sight at the windows, really. We, were, we had the hatches up. And then we broke. We all broke. We had the energy and enthusiasm to get forward. And our fullback plays a terror fullback. And we're, we're away. Yeah. I, the, everything about that goal was perfect. And everybody's contribution to the goal was perfect. Douglas Louise was momentarily possessed by the spirit of a professional footballer. And, I mean, it was exercised <laughs> pretty quickly. But it was great for those four <laughs> seconds. It was first and past. City players released the ball at the right time and to the right man. And Jacob Ramsey did pretty well for his only touch of the ball, particularly <laughs> because he thought he was out just doing a recovery session for getting, you know, 85 minutes of cardio under his belt. So he must have been really surprised to see a ball land at his feet. <laughs> Dina, the cross is fucking delicious and Cash takes advantage of moronic defending at the back post. And look, if you're going to play a centre half of scopophobia at right back, and an attacking midfielder who thinks he's playing a big, massive game of televised red arse at left-back, then you can expect <laughs> to have a bit of trouble from the wide areas. And it was pretty fucking frustrating that we couldn't work those positions more often. And I, I know we only had the ball for 15 minutes, but I really would have liked to have seen some of those minutes focusing on those two areas, particularly in the first half. And I'm not sure what was more pathetic, the sight of Stones and Cancelo trying to defend the fullback positions, or the image of Kevin De Bruyne asking for more from the fans after that goal. Imagine having to G up your fans on yeah. the day you're trying to win the title. It's fucking pathetic. The whole thing is... The whole thing is... <laughs> they, they, they did pack out the stadium. Like We, we can't hold that against them, but Yao Cancelo, you bring him up like... It, yeah, it's either, well, today he was either just playing red or so people hitting the ball as hard as he could off horses, or he kept trying this, like, underlap pass. <laughs> <laughs> he kept trying it. Nobody was, like, like, I know they're obsessed with getting to the byline, but he just kept rolling it over the byline over and over. He was probably one of the worst games I've seen him play. Yeah, and people probably thought I had gone mad just taking a swipe at one of the best, one of the best players <laughs> in the world last year. But Jesus Christ, he found out after about 15 minutes what the fuck I was talking about with those shots. 2-0. Uh, like, we're talking about the fullbacks there, but then, Jesus, the centre-half area was just completely free anytime we wanted to go forward. Probably could have hit it longer way more often because it caused them problems. And this one was just... Robin Olsen up to Ollie Watkins gets it on that pillow and it goes to continue. The first touch is amazing. And then we don't see really what's happening because we have to see another Spurs goal in the Norwich <laughs> game that no longer matters. Like they're, they're already home and hosed against Norwich and it's like, yeah, let's let's forget it. Let's park this Villa match here and we're going to bring you action from Caro Road. <laughs> and then when it's only the replay, we really get to appreciate the 
the decision making from Coutinho, the the actual touch and the finish is great, and it just yeah left Ederson standing still. Yeah, what a goal! And it, it might sound like I've lost the plot saying that was a great goal, seeing as it's come from an eighty-yard lump up field. But that's <laughs> how you fucking score against Man City. Yeah, get the ball up to Pillowhead at the edge of the box and get around them. What a touch! What a finish! I mean, if you could bottle those, you'd make a fortune at a farmer's market. Fucking delicious. But the weird thing about those cutaways to the other game was they put up a little small screen at the bottom of the screen and then the wipe just blacked out the screen as they transitioned in between. What was the fucking point of that? (laughs) And they don't need to, especially when it's Carrow Road, they don't need to bring that up into the biggest area of the screen. Like, make that small. Say, by the way, if you look to the bottom of your screen, here's what's happening. I'm watching the fucking Villa match. Like, do that when when somebody's down injured, like there always is. But (laughs) don't do when we're... I know Olsen has the ball, but that's how we're attacking. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, if you look at the bottom of your screen, you'll see another pointless goal going to Carrow Road (laughs) that nobody was in any doubt was going to happen. Yeah, it was it was so funny actually. You know, during that game because it was showing you, it was it was interesting. We're seeing a bit of Liverpool. We're seeing a bit of Norwich. Well, Spurs, <laughs> Arsenal, and then just randomly during the game, it came up like in text score update. Crystal Palace won Man United <laughs> nil. <laughs> They've been deemed so irrelevant. Just this mid-table clash is happening, and United <laughs> are losing again. <laughs> and then. And then, so we got to 76 minutes, actually. I didn't realise that. We scored in the 69th. I didn't realise it was that late that we scored a second as well. Mm-hmm. I was texting uh, Liverpool people, I know, or Liverpool fans, just saying, score a fucking goal. We're doing our job here. And uh, you know, five minutes later, <laughs> it, was, it was all gone. And uh, the first one is, you know, I think we all probably took note that Grealish didn't get on and it was the two boys who got on ahead of them like one of those nine attacking midfielders <laughs> or two of those nine attacking midfielders two subs Sterling and Gundogan um, Sterling gets to the byline maybe look at Dina I don't know like he's, he's, he's staying with him Sterling's sharp that's what he does but uh, Matt Cash just staring at Sterling and loses Gundogan Emmy Buendia's starting to keep an eye on the right wing for some reason and it just leaves Gundogan completely free and he heads in yeah look City did well to work that space it's 76 minutes of farting around to get Sterling free on the back line. Yeah. like could Dinia have gotten closer probably would that have been a good idea probably not he's been like you know <laughs> yeah. like he shouldn't have been left isolated one on one against Sterling 10 yards from the byline 2-0 up last game of the season what was Nakamba brought on to do if it wasn't mm. that or at least to allow JJ and Dougie and McGinn to do do more of it and like nobody shifts the ball quicker than Sterling Dinia's been on the pitch for 76 minutes defending like a champ give him a hand now and when it's dug out to the back post, like you're really relying on the attacker to miss time his jump there. I mean, Cash could probably be a bit closer to put him off, but Gundogan has the run, he has the jump, and it had to be stopped earlier by one of the fucking three defensive midfielders we had in the pitch. Yeah. Like, they can be coming on, not, not, not to blame him specifically, but him coming on, it, the whole team lost shape, and... Nobody was talking to each other then. If you look at the second goal that Rodri, the defensive midfielder, comes up and scores, once he hits that ball, as he's hitting it, no exaggeration, there are 10 Aston Villa players in the box. They're so deep, lost shape. Nobody was communicating. The Camba was being sucked wide. Nobody just watching that area for the follow-up player. And like when the uh, awful defending, like it's Zinchenko. Once again, stand him up. He's just given away a pointless penalty last week. I know you're creative. I know you've been really good for us going forward, but just stands and Chenko up. Don't sell yourself. He needs to be shown that. Like that, that that's a classic. Bring this man in, not even in front of the team. Sit him down, put it on, and say, "What do you think of that? Like, are you happy with that? Like, do you think it's good? Give me, give me your feedback on it because that's appalling." And you know. That shouldn't be the whole team opened up once our Argentinian mm-hmm. attacking midfielder is beaten by the left back, but but it is somehow because everybody else is just lined up in the box and Rodri is able to side foot it into the net. 
yeah, like not he doesn't even need to be pulled aside. Has Emiliano Bundia not watched the Burnley go back himself on Thursday night? I mean, it, it's it's yeah. incredible. He's made the same mistake, the same howler twice in 120 minutes of football. Where is he going and why is he going there so fucking quickly? Yeah. Stand him up. You're absolutely right. I mean, I'm not a good dribbler, but I've skinned every single person that has run at me at full speed. Yeah. It's not difficult. You just move to the side. And unsurprisingly, a lad that's paid millions, even if he is a fullback, a lad that's paid millions of pounds a year to play football can also step to the side. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to keep comparing myself to players in the most expensively assembled squad in the world. <laughs> Go on. But <laughs> the only time I've struck a ball as sweetly as Rodri was one time you drilled a five-yard pass into my feet, and I thought, what the fuck is that? I can't control this. <laughs> so I just opened my foot and stunned it into the bottom corner, and I can confirm that that felt great for Rodri when it came off his foot. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and then the third goalie. This one annoyed me because, look, it's, it's brilliant from the Bruyne. It looks great. He comes on to the ball, that stride of his is so direct. And oh, the pass, like, it's not even the pass. It's, it's just the intent that he always has in his passes, the angle, the, the way he just puts it in there. But I, I'm fucked off watching Man City just putting the ball into these areas. He's, like, he's done it brilliantly. And he knows, if he's done the right thing, he knows somebody's going to come in. But he doesn't know either. He's just putting it in there. And they're well coached and they're fit and they've got enough players forward. And, it's just shite. It's boring. Stop ruining football. You know, roll the ball in there and somebody will be there. <laughs> shite. <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's a heavy touch from Mings, but he's he's backpedaling. He's focused on getting something on it and he's been on the pitch for a long time as well. And he's also right to expect that Douglas Louise, because yeah. he's on a football pitch, there's no way that Mings could have known Douglas Louise was in a coma. It's unbelievable. He has to react. And he has two chances to react. React to the football that's on the pitch. Chase it. Play fetch. Get your fucking teeth into it and run off the pitch. Drop it at the hoardings and piss on it. Don't just stand there and watch it dribble out. And secondly, Kevin De Bruyne has just picked the ball up and he's bursting into your box. Why are you apologising to him? Like, he couldn't have gone further to get out of his way. Like, what? What are you opening the door for him for? He might as well have bowed. Like, take him out. We've all seen this before. We know what's happening. Stop it. And there was one in the first half as well. I think it ended up with a Foden shot. Douglas Louise again just gets out of De Bruyne's way at the age of Man City's box. And based based on the goal and and that moment, I, we probably have to stop and re-caricature Louise as a doorman at the fucking Shelburne. It was baffling stuff. Like, no <laughs> sense of danger. No understanding of the game of football. Like City, City are getting a shot away from you not doing anything against the opposition box, do something. And that something isn't ushering one of the best players in the world towards your own goal. Yeah, you said a coma. He is so fast asleep. It's unbelievable. Like, I, I don't blame Mings at all because I, I would call it an interception rather yeah. than a heavy touch. Like, he's just defending. And Louis, he's, oh my God, like, he's, he's on his heels. He's asleep, and the reaction is something you would see in an underage game. Like, oh shit, it's just basic stuff. Like, you tell kids, you know, don't be wondering what's for dinner tonight. Like, let's react to where the ball is. And he's not doing it. Like, he's wondering, he's wondering what's going to be in the bowl tonight like, when he gets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Like, that's if anybody's listening to this who's wanted to come for some end of season <laughs> Premier League drama like this is what it's been like for the last 76 matches this is what it's like to be an Aston Villa fan and like did you see it's so depressing seeing yourself or seeing your club and your team through the eyes of one of the best players in the world Mo Salah he's run away Liverpool finally scored he's come onto the pitch he's done it he's clinched the league for them last he's heard Liverpool fans are celebrating a second goal <laughs> and as he runs over to the fans <laughs> Liverpool fans holding up 3-2 face <laughs> he looks into the air and you can tell it's just like useless bastard <laughs> And I agree. Like this, I'm sorry. Like this is this is what it's like. But I don't really care that you didn't win the league. I care that once again we haven't gotten the result when we were in position to do it. Fucking pathetic, yeah. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah. I the, but the surprising thing isn't that we threw away a two goal lead. The surprising thing is that we had one. 
because we're yeah. fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do what's up with this. <laughs> See you there. All right, some housekeeping. <laughs> John McGinn, find a week's wages, unnecessary corner, a header back to like, nobody, just straight out of play. Douglas Ruiz is also getting fined a week's wages. I don't know if you remember. Like, Yeah, we talked about for the first goal when he decided to be a footballer, turn around on the ball and carry it out. This one just played out to him, our anchor. He's got his back to the pitch like he usually does. And he just... Just plays it first time out to the left. Doesn't look. Doesn't look to see if anybody's there. See what sort of pass it would be. Goes out of play because nobody's there. It's just like this is our, our midfielder. How are we supposed to have any chance against these boys if this is what we're doing? Well, it turned out we didn't have any chance. You know, once once the boys inserted themselves into the game and the McGinn one. I mean, he's, he's probably headed it too well, Connor. <laughs> it's a fucking mad decision. I mean, Olsen was under enough pressure at that stage yeah. of the game, and like a back pass was probably the last thing he wanted. <laughs> what I will say about it is that it was probably it was probably mixed up in a whole load of other shit that Villa were doing, like passing the, like McGinn, Dougie, Cash, they all passed the ball straight to Man City players, yeah. 40 yards out from our goals. And that header was probably like, you know, let's pass it to the let's pass it to the advertising hoardings. That's better than passing it to fucking city players. <laughs> I want to get back to that idea of passing it away and the Man City press, but one more housekeeping issue is we have to decide the fine for referees who blow the game up early. Like I, this thing makes me stick to me sick to my stomach. Like I know we're bringing it up all the time, but it's the it's a trigger. This is a trigger. I have to leave the room after matches when this happens with the <laughs> injustice of it all. And like once again, it's always Villa behind. And it's always more jarring because I'm looking for the time to be added on properly. But there's an all advertisement. We had it a few weeks ago when Michael Oliver in injury time. Ederson is down injured. We all know what he's doing. Everybody knows what he's doing. What's he down for? A minute and a half, minute and 40 seconds? At least. 24 seconds added on, which is the exact same time that was added on the last time this happened as well, when people were getting yellow cards and there were fights in injury time. Referees are fucking idiots. They have no pride. They get done by this stuff all the time, and I can't believe they're not embarrassed by it. Yeah, but I also can't believe that Neville and Martin Tyler were acting like they've never seen a game of football before in their lives. They spent a, they spent a minute and a half wondering whether Ederson's injury would impact the title race. <laughs> like, do me a fucking favour. Why does every commentator pretend they think the player is injured? It's pathetic. Yeah. You don't have to go full pelt calling him a cheating bastard. Leave that to me. But <laughs> on, on Just on the off chance that he isn't. But we know what's happening here. And we're all fucking, we all fucking know what's not happening. The time's not getting at it all at the yeah. end. And they don't come back to it. Like, they actually said there should, like, there should be at least another minute and it's blowing up, nobody cares. Yeah, exactly. They never said there'd be at least another minute and the whistle was blowing before he finished the fucking sentence. <laughs> like, oh, he's blowing it. Why was Neville trying to insert himself into all these? Was he jealous of Martin Tyler and the Aguero moment back then? Like uh, <laughs> every time he said he scored, he came in with, "Oh, that, that's not it. Like that's not the one that's going to get replayed." Yeah, to be honest as well, like Martin Tyler was pissing me off after that. Like he sounded like he was all choked up at a stage whenever City got their three goals. Yeah. They started talking about two great clubs. Like, there's one great club here and one great team as well. Let's not fucking call Man City a great club. <laughs> you have to be alive and in existence for more than 12 years for that to be the case. But it was unbelievable how much himself and Gary Neville's well, were trying to dramatize. The drama's happening, lads. Yeah. We don't need it. Like, and you're doing a fucking shit job of it. The commentator, in a moment of spontaneity, can add a magical piece to a football match, but you can't force it. If you force it, you end up sounding like a pair of tits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Villa related WhatsApp wins new keeper same old shit floating balls to fullbacks oh, yeah it's incredible there was, I think it was the third time it happened and Matt Cash doesn't even jump and you can just see he's just staring directly back at Olsen <laughs> yeah I say floating to the fullbacks floating it over their heads yeah exactly floating it over Matt Cash's head prominently yeah. as well it's pathetic it's just yeah it's, it's frustrating as well because None of those kicks were difficult, and the space was there for the fullback. There was one time he got it out to Matt Cash's chest, 
and it was a waste of time because my guy just ended up rolling it back and it ended up back at Olsen's feet. And I think Olsen just lumped it up the pitch then. But yeah, floating out to the fullback so that Man City can do what they want to do as well, put the pressure on because they know that this ball isn't going to the fullback's feet. So then you go, you run. He doesn't want it. <laughs> he doesn't want it fucking two foot above his head. Yeah, but like that was the other thing. The passes were easy, so it was annoying. But every time we went long, I said it earlier. Every time we went long, it worked. So just fucking get it up there. <laughs> the the show I'm talking about the Man City press. Why the fuck is this Man City press so effective? It's it's Foden, it's Mares, it's Jesus tackling. Like, why are players so freaked out by these boys coming and they, they tackle you? Step around them. Look, 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 look what Zinchenko did to Buendia. These players are, they're skin and bones. They sweat, they bleed, and they're attackers. They're not that good at tackling. I know they're fast. I know they are rampant when they're doing it, but it's just, just don't panic. Like, John McGinn, we don't want to encourage him. They start using his arse in these areas. But, <laughs> like, he can definitely sidestep these boys. Jacob Ramsey can. Douglas Louise could if he wasn't afraid of the ball. Like, th- th- these boys can do it, but they're just panic when they see a, a blue shirt coming up their arse. Yeah, they are panic. They, they were set up badly for it as well, I thought, which was surprising. And we can probably come back to how we were set up going forward. But, yeah, we didn't. We didn't have the courage. Like that's that's all it takes, and that's all Man City are doing as well. Because you're right, these players aren't really good at defending. They're just told to run at the ball. They've got good angles on their runs and stuff, which closes off the space. But the, all they're doing is taking the risk that you'll panic. So just don't panic. Don't give them what they want. Pass the ball to each other. We had to be a lot tighter. You have to be a lot tighter to get out of it. You have to think of ways to get out of it, and you can isolate the player. Then they can play the ball long because Man City have all come in, but. We didn't have any of those patterns figured out, which was surprising because Man City play like this. Remember Shane Duffy? Absolutely done Ronaldo. <laughs> he, 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 Ireland against Portugal, and he, he didn't do a Cruyff turn, but like he just faked a pass to a defender and came out the other way. Ronaldo went flying past him. Like that's, like that's, that's uh, it's an extreme example of Ronaldo, but these boys are like they're told. It's also an extreme example of Shane Duffy, <laughs> exactly. to be fair. <laughs> Exactly. Like, you know, these boys are told they push up, so they'll run, they'll charge, and they're t- taking a gamble that you're going to pass to your mate who now feels under pressure because there's somebody closer to him. And in fairness, he has less time on the ball then. But uh, just just step around him sometimes. Like, and once you do, the amount of space you have is incredible. And actually, <laughs> well, well, they're a great team when they have space, but they are. They actually are. <laughs> yeah, and but like to be fair as well, like these boys play like this a lot, and they're, they're not all wearing fucking rollerblades like Buendi is whenever he's running at somebody on the ball. So like <laughs> they can stop and they can get turned, and there's normally two or three of them, so they've got a bit of help because it's not like you can step by Buendi and the rest of the Villa players are lined up in the box. <laughs> Last WhatsApp winch. Why is Gerard going for the Paul Lambert geography teacher look? <laughs> well, hopefully that's where the similarities will end by the end of Gerard's <laughs> career, Connor. The way things are going, I'm not so sure. It's interesting, isn't it? The way Gerard gets away with it because he's a bit cooler, he's younger, he's in better shape. Talks a good game, we all know that. <laughs> But, uh, he's wearing the same thing and this is the thing maybe Paul Lambert was getting a bit more criticism at the time anyway but it didn't inspire a lot of confidence amongst the fans anyway we'll say that they didn't like the cut of his jib on the sideline <laughs> yeah there's not a lot of love for geography teachers out there and I'm not saying that's good or bad Conan, but it's certainly not what you want in the football manager <laughs> Why are you sidestepping another fashion question? <laughs> I tried to take it into slagging off Lampard's managerial ability. I tried to take it into slagging off geography teachers, which I don't have any particular beef with, but I just thought I have to do something here. But it didn't work. Why yeah, is it geography teachers? Look shit. <laughs> but why is it geography teachers that gets painted with that? Like, well, yeah, why is it them and not a religion teacher? Is it, or is it? Have you just said geography teacher now, and you're dying on that hill? <laughs> I thought that's. Just, I just remember that very clearly with the Paul Lambert thing. It was like, looks like a fucking geography teacher. <laughs> Stuff that was so <laughs> derogatory. 
Yeah, that could work, and so maybe maybe that's just the case. Maybe people do despise geography teachers. <laughs> anyway, we'll go to the awards after this. <laughs> I sound so depressed. <laughs> Good evening. I wanted to speak directly to our supporters to confirm the transfer of our captain, Jack Greedlish. And now we've been gutted. Organ donors for the rich. Boston's taking our kidneys. Yankees are taking our heart. And to explain the background to this move. It's an unfair game. We offered Jack a new contract to stay at the club. Like this is business as usual. It's not. We agreed to incorporate a so-called release clause into his contract. Billy, that's trouble. Billy, if I may, uh, he certainly has had his problems off the field. Jack finally decided that he would like to go to City. We're trying to solve a problem here, Billy. Not like this, you're not. You're not even looking at the problem. We have planned accordingly. We've got to think differently. It was never our intention to replace Jack with one footballer. Guys, we're still trying to replace Gianni. I told you we can't do it. We can't do it. Our strategy was to analyze and break down Jack's key attributes. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Create him in the aggregate. What? A walk. His creativity, his assists, his goals. That's what we're looking for. And to find these qualities and others in three forward players. Three ball players, three ball players. And in doing so, have also reduced an over-dependency on one brilliant footballer. Add that up and you get... Emiliano Buendia, Leon Bailey, and Danny Ings. They truly are the future. If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. I don't know what that means. Let's do a very short Ronnie Rosenthal award. The team finally did realize that Watkins would win every ball. Like any any ball put it up there against Fernandinho and it'll come out in some way. It might not be all through Watkins' ability. Like Fernandinho will conspire to give the ball to him. And he gets in and he just keeps running. He gets in sort of down the left. It's actually a good first touch. And his next two touches are all wrong. He never looks like a shape in the shoot. And he just keeps carrying the ball until there's nowhere else to run to. Yeah, and how many times have we seen Ollie Watkins shift that onto his left and drill it and drill it early as well? Yeah. His first touch is good. His second touch is too short. And his third touch is too long because he's panicking. He's panicking because John Stones is closing him down. And what a fucking silly sentence that is. <laughs> The second one is just another Olsen up to Watkins, <laughs> bounces in behind because Fernandinho was, yeah, he's like seemed to be embodied by the spirit of John Stones, who just <laughs> liked that high ball. And Watkins is in this time, he's in centrally. He's bobbling along again and he just hooks it wide. He has to score that, like he's, he's onside, he's in his own half. Went like that. that's, how, that's how easy he can get through against these chumps sometimes, like he's in his own half. To kick the ball up and you're through and it's just really annoying because like you can watch that with somebody who's not a Villa fan and they'll they'll say oh like Watkins is shite he's, he's, he's wasting chances there Watkins himself was out in an interview there during the week saying he, he wants to be that lethal striker which we know he's not but he's got <laughs> everything else almost it's I don't know, eh, I love him to pieces, but like this stuff is annoying. When you get that chance, put it away. Yeah, when you get the third chance, definitely put it away. The, he does miss too many chances. And like, talk about giving the goalkeeper the eyes. I think he gave the whole stadium the eyes because I don't think anyone would have expected him to attempt to lob the goalkeeper by smashing the ball into the ground to bounce <laughs> it over him. Fucking terrible connection. <laughs> And then he might have had another chance if Fernandinho didn't bring him down. Nobody was interested. Wasn't even being looked at again. Like they didn't even have a look to say, or they didn't say it at VAR having a look at that. Um, nothing to see here. Play away. Yeah, it's terrible. It's a straight ball through the middle again, and Fernandinho. <laughs> 
turns of all the grace of a fucking pig in a spit and he's in big trouble. Ollie, Ollie lets him off the hook with a bad touch and that makes the moment all the more bizarre because it's going through to Ederson and then Fernandinho panics and it's, it's definitely a foul even if you don't think there's a lot in it. Surely you want him to be punished just for being a moron. Yeah. And, and for Pep being a moron for picking him. I mean, this was our he thought about it and fucked it up moment, which is which is still there, but you know, the winners write the narrative, so it'll be forgotten about. Shinchenko was available, but he went with stones at right back and Fernandinho at centre half. You know, you don't deserve to win the title. That's the sort of decision you're making. Yeah. It's um I can resist another one of those moments where it was like Oh, it could be the changing of the game. Like, and Watkins could have ah, just just put Phil in a bit more of a command and lead. Like, I think that second one that he threw straight down the throat of Ederson is the worst. Ah, it is. Yeah, like it's it's, it's a terrible connection. It, it looks like it takes ages to decide. The ball's in the air a little bit as well, but Jesus Christ, they get over it far too much. <laughs> yeah. They could be hitting the ball at the top of it. All right, the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. Here we go. Robin Olsen, welcome to Aston Villa. <laughs> ah, like the, the clearance. It should be a goal. Like It's a bad touch, which is bad enough. It's a what the fuck moment in itself. And then he delays his clearance. Like It was exactly like Stefan for Man City. He's like, what are you doing? Get rid of that fucking ball. You're, you, you've put yourself in this position. Now you can get yourself out of it if you hurry up. And he yes. just took his time and hit, hit it off Jesus' earth and thankfully nothing to do with anybody just luck that it went wide of the goals yeah the touch the decision the kick the composure all dreadful even the reaction time because Jesus has jumped in so early his leg was dangling there before Olsen moved his kicking leg back even it was like he was playing crossbar challenge with Jesus's fight it was fucking terrible so <laughs> and that was it was a bad start I think Olsen yeah calmed down then during the game but it was a bad start because we talked about the John McGinn header back yeah, that was the last thing he needed because I don't know if you remember Callum Chambers coming across and just heading a ball away when Olsen's going to catch mm. it it's just no communication or just didn't trust him there was that one then when Chambers did leave it for Olsen as the ball was coming in but Olsen was late coming out and it's like yeah. he almost dropped that ball bouncing into him and then the fucking Mings pass back, like just a classic Tyro Mings one here, flirting with the sidelines or the boundaries of the pitch. It's like, here, Olsen, I hope you're awake here. I'm not going to pass this to your feet. And uh, <laughs> he has to scramble across. That one's not his fault, but he looks like an idiot. <laughs> He's just, yeah. You don't want to see your keeper running around the box or running along the end line, and he has to slice a, another clearance, and the City fans are loving it. Yeah, exactly. And when your keeper's under pressure, don't play him a pass like that. Definitely don't play it so it ends up on his bad foot as well. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy was having a nightmare. And I'm not sure if he did calm down or if City just allowed him to calm down because City started running out of ideas fairly quickly because yeah. I don't think they had a big chance, really. There was one with, there was one with Jesus at the back post, I think. But yeah, it was whipped into the back post and he's sliding in. He gets over the balls, but as well as Man United get over Fergie leaving. It's a, it was a shocking <laughs> miss. And... Olsen didn't have a lot to do until City just started chipping balls into the six-yard box and then he started catching everything and he got his footing again. But up until that moment, it was fucking... I would have been fucking raging if I was a Liverpool fan. <laughs> <laughs> Another nomination for the What the Fuck Award. It takes on beating to beat that Olsen clearance that was blocked down, but I mean... When your own player kicks the ball off the face of his teammate, mm. that's that's going to be right up there. And Callum Chambers, you know, you don't expect this of Chambers in the number ten position. <laughs> Maybe we should blame Luka Dinya, who who played it back, did so well to get the ball under control. I'm going to come back to Luka Dinya. He was brilliant today again, but um, rolls it out to Callum Chambers and bang straight off his face. And the worst thing about this, the ref stopped the game like. Balls had him in the face, like he's not knocked out. You know, get over, <laughs> and the whole game stopped for look at Dinya to get treatment, which is great for Villa. Well, that just that just added to how good a game look at Dinya was. It's a shithousery award nomination as well. Like you know, <laughs> like, this mop is going to blow the whistle if I lie down and pretend that the reason we're on the pitch hit me in the face, which is a part of the body I'm allowed to use to control the ball as well. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to stop the game for it. The annoying thing about that was that we don't know. We'll never. 
we'll never get to find out what piece of magic was at the end of that pass of Luca Dini. Yeah. This big stupid <laughs> face in front of you. And we know it was going to be. And brilliant, we know, we know it was magic coming, right? Yeah. So, so actually, Chambers isn't nominated. Luca Dini is nominated for getting away. <laughs> and the last nomination for the Peter Enkelman what the fuck is <laughs> Ollie Watkins I don't know if you remember this pass to Coutinho Coutinho was trying to make a dart in behind the defence and see I've, I've written this down Watkins tries to chip it over the top to him and it's oh. like a golf shot it's like yeah. completely come off the outside of his foot and sliced yeah. it and that was annoying because I think I was making the case watching Watkins you know, yeah, he's missed a few chances, and I just said it. He's so good at everything else, and then he does that, and it's like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, and he done so well to to give himself the space to play like that as yeah. well. But Jesus Christ, if the word shank was created for anything, it was for that attempt to pass, and it wasn't a difficult pass either. I think he thought he had to put a low enough trajectory on it to get it down, or to get it past the defender. He forgot who he was playing against. Like sometimes you have to play the man, not the game. Yeah. Just fucking put any sort of ball over the top of that back line. What do you think? The Olsen or Chambers kicking the ball off Daniel's face? Like Olsen's in a six yard box. <laughs> you know, that's a goal. That's yeah. like that was just uh, as soon as I saw that heavy touch, I thought that's the title one and that's fucking Villa's season yet again, petering out to fucking nothing. I had no doubt that, that was going to be a goal and but for an absolute fluke of physics it wasn't yeah the Tim Sherwood we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award we were like not sarcastic we were really good for 70 minutes we <laughs> were tight we knew what we were doing defensively we played some good stuff as well like when we actually played especially after we were scored the goals we had good periods each time yeah like well, I, don't, I don't know what the nomination is here it's sad that it's like we played good for 70 minutes <laughs> it's funny because whenever I saw we were playing two number 10s I was thinking Jesus Christ this is two number 10s that don't work as hard as Danny Ings yeah. and then trying to protect them with Douglas Louise like that's that's like being worried about the road conditions and so speeding up to get the journey over with quickly <laughs> and, the, and the really surprising thing is you're right it worked well Man City contributed to it obviously for an hour or so we were brilliant though and City City weren't getting much chances. The Jesus one, that was it. But we were really good, and it was it was it was a really fucking a performance to be proud of against a brilliant team that we're nowhere near the level of. The only thing I'll say, and this is definitely a, a two number tens. Sorry, this is definitely a Glenn Whelan award. I don't think we had enough of a plan to score. I know, I know, it's difficult when you don't have the ball. And I know I've said it before, but when you only have the ball 25% of the game, you better have a fucking idea of what you're going to do with it. I mean, it was far too often just hit it towards Watkins. And I know that's a good idea sometimes, yeah. but you can't just hope he can do something. I, I think hitting it to Watkins is a perfectly legitimate plan, but it, it wasn't a plan. It was it was indiscriminate. Like We weren't working any angles. We weren't moving Man City around. We weren't getting enough people around Watkins, with one obvious exception, the goal we scored. And like I said, we should have used the flanks a lot more as well. I mean, we could have exploited the Watkins Fernandinho dynamic with crosses as well as just Eiffel Tower passes up the pitch. Yeah. yeah. We've been here before. We'll, we'll just do the you like um, we didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. Like, I, I don't feel like we try to exploit teams yeah or the weaknesses like that Man City team did have weaknesses like they're, they're infinitely better than Villa of course they are but why weren't we getting the John Stones at right back and like we're talking about those balls over the top to Watkins by the time we realised this is a good way of getting out and getting players around him that's when it was working obviously mm. Bernardino was coming off they brought him off yeah. of course he did didn't they put Sinchenko on instead yeah, exactly. And we, we we almost we almost missed our opportunity there. Um I, I still think it was it was on obviously because we scored a goal after that happened. But that was because <laughs> we finally did get around them and in the first half, whenever it was really, really on, we just did we didn't do it anywhere near enough to exploit it. The passes were never good, the angles were never good, and there wasn't 
Buendia and Coutinho were too deep. The, the passes were going too early. They didn't have enough time to get back up to support him. We didn't have the courage to pass it around to let him play the pass, which gives you the advantage of your players being able to move closer to him and also pose a few Man City midfielders further up the pitch when they're sniffing the danger. I see Young coming on for Buendia. Yeah, Buendia probably, almost certainly, should have come off, but Young coming on for him was a bit... Ugh. You know, a bit uninspiring. Yeah, I, like, I don't even know what he was trying to do there. Like, I'm not even sure what the, what the purpose of that was. Was he playing number 10? It was hard to tell. But, yeah, it was a strange decision, to put it mildly. You, Young was playing at fullback, trying to win the ball back from the corner where, <laughs> where Man, City, Man City spent the last 10 minutes of the game. But that was the Aller thing. Like, that's an Aller. You let Glenn Whelan take a 90th penalty award is... How fucking silly our players were. And that they gave Man City exactly what they wanted when they wanted it as well. We were just running in to the back of them, kneeing them in the back of the legs. And of mm. course, Michael Oliver is going to give that as a free kick. He's a referee. He's wearing a fucking yellow jersey. You don't have to be you don't have to be a genius to figure out he's going to blow the whistle if you touch someone in the small of their back here. Stop fucking doing it. Did you see Matt Cash at one stage? I actually thought there was a free and the game had stopped. He was just stuck like Standing right behind yeah. Jesus. It was unbelievable. It was like the game had stopped and he was just waiting for Young to come back again because Young's the expert at this scenario apparently. And he just stood there doing nothing. And then like only five seconds later I realised the game is still going. I don't I don't understand why they don't just take a risk more. When a team's doing that, they're not looking to attack. They're looking to run the clock down, obviously. So just run around him, let him go mm. inside and somebody else will be there. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't know why he wouldn't do that either. I mean, the season's over as well. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you don't get this ball back, you're losing the last game of the season. It's your last opportunity to do something. Silly. The Vimin meter, well, I'm going to say going down. Matt Cash, even though he's been our player of the season, but it's just a tee up going up, Luka Dinia, because the first back post clearance that Luka Dinia did and ended up being a plethora of them throughout the game, like mm. brilliant clearances, well read, brave. First one was extremely brave and a good technique as well. Matt Cash gets done on the end line. There's nowhere else to go. It's like he's just <laughs> the ball is literally on the end line. All they can do is come back inside, and he slides out of play on his arse, and the ball gets put across and. Thankfully, Luca Dinho was there, like he was for the whole game. And actually, we talked before about him being tidy on the ball, but this was a good defensive performance from him. Like he, he sprang off his starting position really well as well when those balls were coming across. Like I was looking at that today, thinking that boy could play at this level. Like he, he could be playing for Man City. He would look completely comfortable there. Yeah, all right. They're looking for a left back, mate. Calm down. <laughs> Yeah, that that one was pathetic. I mean, Mares just sent cash to the shops for a fucking fought like cadet and a wibbly wobbly wonder. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant from Dinia to get around at the back post to clear it. And like you said, he did it all game. He really does hate Everton, doesn't he? Like he, <laughs> he wanted to win that game. What a performance of back post clearances. And why has nobody else ever played a fullback covering around the back post against City? So yeah. City would only score about eight goals next season if every other manager was watching this game. <laughs> and like I say, we know those balls are coming in regardless of the circumstance. Those players aren't thinking. They have to just do it. That's, that's their jobs. And Luca Dinia seems to be the only one who knows that. Yeah, it's just so strange how often he was there and how fucking little everybody else is. Um, do you have anybody else going up? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I like... No, there's a, there's a few people going down, but no, I can't think of anybody else who played well other than Dinia. So. Yeah. Well, let's do players going down or the ones that stood out. Probably Jacob Ramsey, apart from that burst for the first goal. I didn't notice him. Like, he's definitely the IC Westwood winner this week. Well, I, I think it was actually a really competitive category with him and John McGinn. <laughs> the, the neither of them really did anything. They were so quiet, didn't get on the ball. I know it's difficult to get on the ball, but, you know, these are players you want to get on the ball against Man City because, like you said, they can sidestep them. They can break the lines. Like those guys running at Fernandinho with Ollie Watkins trying to get free, that's a fucking wet dream, or it should have been anyway. And maybe, like you know, all we're asking for them is to 
is to get on the ball and be brave. Like he, in the spirit of Andy Vyman, Ollie Watkins won't even go down in this meter this week, even though he missed all those chances, even though he's a Rasenthal winner, but he, he still did the job. He did the shift. He got us up the pitch. He created chances. He missed chances. But you know, if those boys had just gotten involved a bit more, it could have. Ah, we still would have lost. <laughs> it's what we do, Connor. <laughs> Uh, anybody else in particular that you want to highlight? Like, I know we talked about him before, Douglas Louise. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised it wasn't nominated for a what the fuck moment. I mean, the best tackle Douglas Louise has ever completed, and it was on Callum Chambers. Like, what the fuck was that about? The first half just strips him of the ball, and then Phil Foden's just running free on goal. And like the dogs trust could just use footage from this game to ramp up its donations. Like enough of this bullshit of sad dogs in the rain. <laughs> just stitch together a few minutes of Doggy Louise looking lost, confused, scared in the middle of the area. Any bitch really. Like, Doggy needs your help. For just two euro a month, you can fund a new centre midfielder for Aston Villa and take Doggy out of his cruel existence. <laughs> well, nice segue. Let's go to questions we can't answer, but probably will. Villa should have <laughs> just announced the Kamara signing after the third goal went then let's move on let's talk about something good <laughs> yeah but like you're either showing me an unwarranted level of respect by assuming i've seen marseille play enough times to properly assess him <laughs> or you think i'm somebody that watches football on twitter and youtube but still has the arrogance to confidently opine on the player I'll, I'll leave it to you to say when i just tell you that Chester united are in the mud and Pot packed Tommy could never <laughs> bodied pen pack. <laughs> um, well, Bubakar Kamara, yeah, looks apparently is signing out of somewhere, it's being reported everywhere. Fabrizio got the tapping as usual, but that's a, it's all over, it's uh, it's in the athletic now as well. 22 year old defensive midfielder, they tell me he's good. The last person they told me was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, I think you had seen Bentancur a lot more than I had. Um, you told me he was good, and it turns out he's pretty shit hot for Spurs. Yeah, all right. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but you know, we didn't get him. I thought you were going to start making the fucking the Morgan Sanson. <laughs> oh yeah, right enough. <laughs> like what you say about Camaras, he looks like the right pro- profile of player, and it's good to know that Jared knows that there's a problem in that pitch. But the last player we did get from Marseille was a complete disaster, <laughs> having arrived to much fanfare as well. But look. We've probably learned our lesson, and this probably isn't a case of swooping in for Samago from the Belgian League to replace Wesley from the Belgian League. Well, each of Dean Smith, Perslow, Langa, they all said that Sanson's price was just too good to not do. We, we normally wouldn't rush our business if we wouldn't do it in January, but like we couldn't turn that down. Yeah, they were all wrong. <laughs> Um, probably going down the vitamin meter for the very last time. We don't want to spend too much time talking about this, but I just thought uh, Jack Grealish's interview after was so sad, like, genuinely sad. He's just won the Premier League. Didn't get on, obviously. Hasn't played half their minutes this season. And like, they asked him to sum up the season, and he said, I'll give you four words, tougher than I thought. It's just mid-celebration. He's won the league, and he's he feels the need to sort of front up and talk about this stuff and the interviewer I think it was Jess Reeves was obviously being obviously writing him and <laughs> I was going to say being kind he was being more than that and you know, Grealish was talking about you know scored a goal last week against West Ham <laughs> so, so grim like it wasn't even a winner it wasn't even the last goal the one that got him the draw it was just a goal of many goals that Man City have scored and that's you know, he's going to come good for City, who said this all along. Pep will be ridden once he does come good. Nobody's slagging Pep now for ruining a ready-made player. A hundred million pounds signing, nobody's pointing that out. It's just, it's, it's, it's just hard to watch. It's still raw that you've taken our best player and he's just there talking about a, a goal he scored one time. Yeah, goal that took a fucking massive deflection yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's not just you who's bringing this up. I mean, it, it was brought up repeatedly during the the game. Like, they kept they kept focusing on Grealish. I know, you know, he's the poster boy. I know they're so desperately trying to sell Man City as well for some reason. So he might as well use Man City's most marketable player. But it was bizarre. I thought the amount of attention he was given. And at least this is a Villa podcast. <laughs> like, why, why is why is Roy Keane being asked about it? It's fucking irrelevant. 
But, you know, if you want to focus on the positive, try and cheer yourself up, at least you now know that Jack Grealish can count to four. <laughs> I, I could see the fear in his face after he said it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to count back as he was still talking. Like, did I balls that up or not? Um, last one. <laughs> and it's a serious question as well. Have Everton had a better season than Aston Villa? <laughs> Finished six points above them after all that. Finished 14th in the league. Anybody wondering? Probably afraid to look at the table. Doesn't look great yet. We're behind Brentford, behind Newcastle, behind Palace, Brighton. All, everybody just ahead of Everton who at least got the highs of sorting themselves out in their last home game of the season and getting a celebration from what looked like a a perilous situation that they put themselves into and the manager put them, put himself into, but uh, celebrated it nonetheless. Yeah, like, I, I think I said jokingly, you better be fucking better than Frank Lampard whenever we signed Steven Gerrard, but, you know, the reality is neither of them improved the team since yeah. October. Frank Lampard was saying after the game it was the biggest achievement of his career. Like, Frank Lampard tells us that taking Everton from 16th to 16th and closer in points to the relegation zone is his biggest achievement of his career. <laughs> and the weirdest thing is, he's probably right. Because, because after he took them into the relegation zone, he did do brilliantly to take advantage of the shit show at Chelsea and the shit show at Man United to drag Everton back out of that relegation zone. But I have actually never been prouder of my fellow football fans who all appear to have grasped just how much of a non-event Frank's rescuing of Everton has been. They haven't, <laughs> yeah. they haven't allowed his pals in the media to distract them. There's, there's just been a chorus of, oh, fuck this, this isn't an achievement every time. And I was wondering on Thursday night if that was actually, if what actually was happening this year is just a response to your man, Jay Comfrey, you know, his bonkers decision to congratulate Frank and his part in Chelsea winning the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, he didn't congratulate Rafa Benitez. Benitez for exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's no, there's absolutely, he's silent on that, Conan. <laughs> that was the, one of the most bizarre moments in the history of the world, congratulating them for, to be fair, he did get them out of the group of Sevilla, Krasnodar and Ren, but even though he didn't want the Germans as well, <laughs> maybe that tweet has just has brought everybody around and just a general aversion to Humphrey has attuned everyone to the bullshit that's around Fat Frank's managerial career. Yeah. And that's, I'm all for it. Because there is a lot of bullshit. Um, yeah, you know, I know you listen to talk sport avidly and they're all, <laughs> they're all at it there, of course, and nobody has bought into it yet. It's classy. And they, they, they're all so in tune to, to Lampard in general. Like, it, little things like those moments... There's two separate moments where Seamus Coleman, after one in the changing room, won the pitch. And both times, everybody was pointing out, oh, I see uh, Frank made sure he was in camera shot to, to say this stuff. Like <laughs> It's all just one big act with uh, per Frank, who just, I don't think, you know, he's kept them up, fair play to him. But he's never going to get out of his own way. He's just too aware of what's going on around him. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like he has kept them up. Like that's the best thing you can say about it is they didn't get relegated after he took over because it's not like he it's not like he dragged them out of trouble. Like they were they were going badly and they continued to go badly and got slightly worse for a while after he took over. Yeah, but like yeah, it it'll be difficult to tell Frank Lampard that because even more than the media in general, Frank Lampard believes his own bullshit. Yeah. But like as well, I I feel, I feel fucking dirty talking about that as well as as if as if we haven't just fallen into the same trap of appointing a formerly brilliant footballer as a manager and hoping that he would improve the team when he just hasn't. I mean, maybe we we'll get back to that at some other stage. Yeah, well, we will get back to it. We'll do a proper end of season podcast. We're sort of thinking of doing it for this one, but it's like there's too much to talk about in one game. We might as well just give it the post game treatment. Yeah, we'll definitely have a full debrief and we'll talk about. Gerard a bit more and, and where we're at because it's been a long season it's like you go back it seems like ages ago now when Smith was in charge and Martinez was dancing in Old Trafford and <laughs> you know we're signing off a game of an hour of feet <laughs> it's like it's been a, a kick in the balls every week especially a lot recently Um, yeah at least Gerard had the achievement uh, at Rangers which Lampard still doesn't have Gerard had a good record he'd done good stuff and and again, we'll get into it more, but he does have that ability, which isn't something to be sniffed at. It's weird 
that you know you, you can just automatically get stretched back in and another manager doesn't but it is an impressive thing that a manager can knock money out of a board or other people above him and Gerard seems to have these boys around his finger like and you want that in a manager as well you want them being able to open their wallets and he does have that ability yeah, I think that's probably more down to the owners. I mean, they've, they've made the decision to make him the manager, so they'll make the decision to back him as well. I mean, it would be foolish not to. The same way they did with Smith as well. Like, they, they bought into the Dean Smith story and they gave him back him to get them up, to keep them in the league and to try to progress them. They gave him Samagol. <laughs> I said they gave him money, Conan. <laughs> I didn't say what they did with it. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, yeah, we'll probably come back next week or so we'll gather our thoughts keep sending in the suggestions anything you want us to talk about especially now the season's over we can't just come bouncing in here complaining about what's just happened so, uh, yeah uh, interested to hear all your shout outs get us on email thevillapodcast at gmail.com or you can get us on twitter or instagram as well go find us I don't need to give you the handles anymore um, yeah apart from that it's pretty much the same as always we've lost hope you enjoy your Sunday night and Monday morning <laughs> all the best <laughs> and thanks for listening see you later that wind is calling my name and I won't wait or I'll